Hello, everyone. This is Amy Zirkel, and you're listening to Transaction Trending, the official podcast of ETA. Thanks for tuning in. We join you at an uncertain time in the world. The COVID-19 public health emergency is unprecedented. It's challenging every country, every community, and every person in the world to change their behavior in order to protect themselves and their loved ones. At ETA, our thoughts are with the millions across the globe affected by this virus. Truly, everyone has a critical role to play in this dynamic situation. ETA is committed to providing payments professionals, consumers, merchants, policymakers, and members of the media relevant information on how our industry is responding to this emergency and how our industry stands ready to assist the world. On this episode, I'm joined by my colleague, Scott Talbot, Senior Vice President of Government Affairs at ETA. Together, we'll walk you through the landscape of COVID-19 for the payments technology industry, what it means for our advocacy work, as well as how our members and industry are responding. Let's take a listen. Thanks for joining us today, Scott. Um, As you know, we are in unprecedented times and in such a situation, there are extraordinary responses really at at every level of government and society. And, And you sit over our government relations activity um, here at ETA. Can you share for our listeners the latest update on how the government is responding, the ongoing efforts underway, and sort of how our industry fits in? Sure, thanks, Amy. Uh, So this is, as you described it, it is an unprecedented time, and we're seeing responses uh, from the federal government, uh, from the state government, and from the Canadian government. Uh, And ETA is involved with, with all of them. The main goals of the governments in general are to provide a way to end the virus through money for medical resources, medical testing, and development of vaccines, uh, and then distributing stimulus money to consumers and small businesses, as well as large businesses. Uh, And ETA is is active on all those fronts. Um, Our two main priorities are to ensure that Um, Our industry is listed as critical and essential so that ETA members can continue to work to serve uh, U.S. consumers, U.S. merchants, Canadian consumers, Canadian merchants, and ensure the continued robust vitality and availability of the payment system so that commerce can continue in these uh, difficult uh, times. Is, is the state of play right now fluid? That's fair to say it probably is. Any additional observations um, you have in terms of um, uh, what's going on here in Washington currently? And things are changing by the minute. Uh, we see ideas being thrown around. We've seen discussions and negotiations uh, as uh, the U.S. Congress works to figure out the best solution. And it has to be a bipartisan solution that can get through both the House and the Senate and sent to the president. Everybody is willing to work and get this done. The question really is how? Uh, And so within that, ETA has uh, a major priority, and that is as as the governmental bodies look to distribute stimulus money, we are offering ETA members who have a vast amount of resources and expertise in moving money, uh, offering our services to help deliver the money, any stimulus money to the American consumer, uh, as well as small businesses. Uh, and so we have, we have weighed in with the government's 
um, US government, Canadian government, state governments, and offered our assistance and our expertise in delivering any stimulus money. And that's really a, a critical component here. You mentioned the state piece. Um, we do a, an extraordinary amount of work across all 50 states. Uh, there's, they're certainly right now enacting um, significant measures to try to curtail what's going on. Can you share with our listeners a little bit more around what we're doing um, regarding initiatives at the state level as well? Sure. So a lot of states are declaring a state of emergency, which requires their citizens to either shelter in place or reduce the number of workers at any one given site. It's called a reduction in force. And while those are good preventative measures, there's challenges to our industry in that we must remain at our posts to continue to serve uh, and make sure that the payment system is operating um, safely and securely. So we are making sure, working with the state governments to ensure that ETA members are classified as either critical or essential so that we can continue to do work. Uh, we are at the same time trying to uh, do our part uh, to reduce the virus, uh, one, by having employees work securely uh, from remote locations, and then two, ensuring that any space where employees do gather is clean and we're following the CDC guidelines for ensuring uh, good health. So a combination of these two, ensuring that we continue to work and do so safely will help keep the payments industry running. So, so critical and essential. And, you know, Scott, you mentioned Canada. We've done a lot of work in Canada. Um, any observations you can share just um, from, from the work you've done over this last several years vis-a-vis what's going on in the U.S. versus Canada or any, any observations regarding payments industry response um, that you've noted that might be of interest to our listeners? Sure. The payments industry, Amy, as you know well, is global. And so all the efforts that we are employing and using here in the U.S. are also we are doing in Canada. And policymakers in Canada are thinking about the issues in exactly the same way and having a lot of the same responses, designating certain industries as critical or essential and trying to deliver uh, stimulus money there as well. So what we're doing in the U.S. is being replicated in Canada. Uh, and our efforts are working uh, across the continent um, and really around the world to help ensure, again, that the payments industry can serve uh, consumers and small businesses to continue transacting business. You know, and, and so much of what we do, as you know, um, in the government affairs space and the work that you and your team do is around the, the education of, of policymakers. Uh, that is certainly continuing now. Can you share some additional activities that we've been engaging in since the start of this emergency, to um, to educate policymakers, we'll start at the we'll start at the federal level, <laughs> sure, and move on to states and, and Canada. So, what are we doing to educate policymakers at the at the federal level right now in the midst of this really unprecedented situation? Well, if I could, Amy, let me let me combine and collapse your question into one thing because our efforts, half of our efforts, whether it's in Washington, D.C., or at the states or in Canada, half about half of what we do in government affairs is to educate policymakers about all the modern technology that exists in the payments industry, whether that's delivery methods or whether that's security features. Uh, we spend a lot of time talking to policymakers around in North America as well as around the globe about what uh, where the industry is doing. So those efforts continue unabated. Um, and uh, take on special meaning now as we all work towards finding the best solution uh, to help reduce the virus's effects and continue 
continue the economies as much as possible. So education efforts are a crucial part of that, regardless of where the policymaker sits. Scott, can I ask you to share a little bit more on, on the point you noted earlier around what we as the payments industry are, are, are looking to do in terms of providing additional support to some of the government initiatives here in the U.S. around the disbursement of funds and in particular what we've, the initiative we've undertaken and you and your team working with Treasury and the White House. Um, can you share a little bit more, more of what, we are, what we're seeking to do to help in this crisis? Sure. Thanks, Amy. So the government, the U.S. government is looking to disperse money, stimulus money. The amounts haven't been decided as of this morning, um, but we're talking about a couple hundred billion dollars. Well, the payments industry is very good at moving money. And so uh, a lot of people in Congress are talking about sending out checks, old fashioned, drop them in the mail, paper checks. And uh, the modern payments industry, we recognize there's a real role to play here in delivering the money quickly, as well as securely, and especially in these times, uh, safely. So concerns have been raised around uh, the use of cash, and many health organizations are recommending washing your hands after using cash. Well, electronic delivery helps alleviate that concern. Money doesn't have to be touched uh, and is in, deposited into your account, wherever that may be. Secondly, uh, sending a check takes time, Checks have to be printed, the checks have to be put in the mail, and they have to be sent to people, opened, and then the consumers in receipt of them have to take those checks either to a bank or if they're unbanked, to a check cashing service. That takes a lot of time. Obviously, electronic payments, uh, whether it's a form of prepaid cards, P2P, certain money service businesses, we can deliver money quickly um, and almost within minutes uh, to the recipient and reduce the amount of time that it takes to get the money into the hands of consumers and small businesses, where can they can then deploy it to do the most good. And of course, all of this is done securely, as it always is. And techniques uh, coming out of, of your area, Amy, tokenization and um, encryption help make sure that the money is delivered securely. So speed, security, and, and cleanliness are most important here. And we are offering all of those services, all those great features of the modern payments world to the US government as it looks to deliver the stimulus money to American consumers and small businesses. That's fascinating and it's a vital role that, that our industry can play and, and a way to try to help expedite this process of, uh, of getting some financial relief to, to various segments. I, I just wanna to touch quickly, Scott, too, we, we've been talking about the small business area. We know in the payments industry, what we've seen so much is the, the, the growth and opportunity for small merchants um, that the payments industry allows. We've seen instances where small merchants have been able to utilize technology to expand their footprint and, and, and really sort of uh, grow beyond uh, sort of the confines of a small brick and mortar establishment. But we also know that they are hurting right now and, and are really sort of struggling in a lot of instances to be able to keep their businesses open you know, be it a restaurant or an, another kind of establishment. We're doing a lot, we ETA, around support for, for the small business community. Um, can you amplify a little bit on the points you've mentioned previously around what's going on in terms of the federal government initiatives and the work we're trying to do to get um, resources for small, for small businesses? Sure. 
So the federal government in, is also working on delivering some help to small businesses. They are the backbone of the economy. They are served by ETA members, every single one of them. And, uh, and additionally, many ETA members are also small businesses. So this is an area that, that hits home on all those fronts for us. So the government is looking to deliver money to them in the form of maybe some stimulus, uh, most likely direct loans. Um, and there again, just as with delivering money to consumers, ETA members work directly with small businesses to provide financing options. So we are offering our help in delivering any federal money to small businesses, again, safely, quickly, securely, so that the businesses will have access to the money as quick as possible so they can put it to good use. Uh, and we are supportive uh, of all those efforts uh, to help our members. Additionally, uh, there are a lot of resources now for small businesses, and we have, uh, we have compiled those lists and we'll sh are sharing it with our, our small business members so they, as they look for options, will have a resource to turn to uh, to consider what options they have to access capital uh, during this uh, difficult time. So, Amy, on all those fronts, we are working to help small businesses. Yeah, that's, that's wonderful and, and, and truly, I think, so significant in the work um, we're seeking to do um, as an association. You know, I, it's interesting, Scott, and you and I work in such, uh, such close, when we're in the office, we're in close proximity. Now, of course, we are not, um, but we do really work in close alignment because, as we know, the payments industry um, really um, grows on the synergies between what goes on on the business side and in the, in the, in the public space, in the public policy realm. And, you know, I, I think we are, um, you know, on the industry, on the industry side, hearing so much from, from our members and looking to ETA quite candidly in ways we can help and support and provide resources and really, um, you know, we're, we're all sort of in this together in trying to move effectively in understanding what's going on around us, not just uh, from our business operations, but as parts of humanity and, um, and, and really trying to collectively come together and share resources and share information and figure out how we get from point to point in a time I don't think any of us really ever uh, anticipated we'd be, um, we'd be going through. So you and I are, are continuing to do a lot of, of work in, in real partnership in, in serving our members. Well, and I agree, Amy, and I appreciate you giving me the opportunity to talk about all that ETA is doing on the government affairs side. Uh, let's uh, switch roles and let me ask you some similar questions since we do work together. Uh, you know, once policy is implemented, whether we are educating policymakers about it, uh, what are you hearing from the industry relations side and from the business side? I know you guys have been working around the clock uh, to address a number of different issues uh, on, on your front. Uh, would you mind sharing some of those? Oh, no, absolutely, Scott, thank you. Uh, it, it is true. Um, that on the industry affairs, industry relations, business side, um, we, are, we are coming together from so many aspects of the payments industry and trying to get through this current environment and sort of anticipate as events unfold as a result of, of COVID-19. I think at the end of the day, from, from the industry affairs side, um, a couple of key concerns have, have clearly emerged tied to resiliency, 
um, which is paramount and cuts across so many aspects of our of our payments ecosystem. The ability to to keep business as usual uh, in the face of some some pretty significant challenges, as well as to understand and anticipate what's likely to emerge as events continue over over the course of time, um, and the ability to keep business operational. Uh, and functioning in in a reliable way, and and you know when you talk about network reliability and network resiliency, you sort of move into the I you know I used to talk about the health of the payments ecosystem. Now that has a double meaning to some degree, but it is about that because we're going to see growing instances of uh, of fraud, um, friendly fraud you know, non-friendly fraud, but growing instances of fraud, addressing risk management, promoting the security and technical viability of the ecosystem, I think from, from our perspective on the industry side is really paramount. And we at ETA have, have been working this week and will continue to do so for the near future through our, our several committees that bring our members together, a, a wide cross-section of our members together to look at specific areas tied to things like risk and fraud and security, but also looking at um, aspects of engagement with merchants, how, um, how our member companies are working with their customers to, uh, to deliver business continuity or to address instances where business challenges present. I think from the industry relations side, we wanna continue to be um, partners with our members, resources for our members, um, working together in close collaboration. Because, you know, what's really interesting, um, Scott, kind of on the industry relations side is, is oftentimes, you know, our committees and groups bring a lot of competitors together, which, you know, in a business as usual world, presents a different, a different environment entirely. I think what we're seeing now is competitors coming together and saying, okay, we're, we're gonna have to solve for this collectively in a way that we can all ensure success uh, for for our customers and for our industry collectively. So it is um, it, at such trying, unprecedented times. There's really an opportunity for um, for collaboration to help us get through this um, get through this together. Well, uh, sure, Amy, and that makes sense. I, I think if I could, I'd ask to drill down on on, on a couple areas. One in particular is a fraud. Now, anytime there's a crisis. And sometimes just on an everyday basis, we see fraudsters out uh, trying to steal or cheat the system. Can you talk a little bit about how our industry uh, thinks about fraud and in particular, how it's dealing with uh, fraud in the world of COVID-19? You know, thanks, Scott. It's a, it, is, it is unearthing a whole new cottage industry, dare I say, or a whole new um, space around fraud and what fraudsters are doing in light of the COVID-19 environment where uh, the human condition is a bit more on edge, dare I say, and, and sort of preying on, uh, on that, that backdrop, I think, for, um, for consumers. So I think the concerns from, from the fraud area really um, rest on the emergence of, of bad actors that are playing upon people's fears and offering um, uh, health, healthcare-related solutions that may be tied to um, preventing COVID-19 or uh, uh, addressing various aspects tied to uh, impact of what 
of what COVID-19 means for, um, for consumers. So we're seeing, we're seeing bad actors emerging, um, certainly in that space. You know, another aspect around the, the security of the ecosystem, and you, you mentioned it earlier as we talk about um, uh, more and more remote telework. Uh, almost all of our members are business as usual or to, to, as we've talked about, essential services, but a lot of those people are working remotely, reducing instances for, um, for fraud and um, uh, challenges on the network side as well in terms of fraudsters um, in a telework world, I think is another growing area that we are anticipating and as an industry wanting to work to, to mitigate instances for technical network vulnerabilities um, to emerge. And then, you know, we, the payment industry, have, have always lived in a world where chargeback activities um, exist. It's, it's part of, uh, of, of, of the payments ecosystem and daily life, but I think, Certainly in the members I talked to uh, of late, in fact, as recently as last evening, I think, I think they're preparing for just an exorbitant onslaught of chargeback activities, um, a, a world where, where chargebacks will go up more than um, traditional sales and expenses. And so how our members and their, um, their organizations respond in a world where chargeback activities are ramping up. I think is another another key observation that we need to consider as an industry and whatever we ETA um, can do to provide support for our members in that re regarding that activity as well is going to be critical. I completely agree. Uh, you talked about just now collaboration as well as earlier as collaboration uh, and then um, looking out to our members um, of all different sizes and playing different roles within the payment system. Uh, what resources has ETA developed uh, to help them navigate the business issues uh, that you talked about um, during this period? Yeah, and, and Scott, we've been working a lot together um, on some of those resources. Uh, and, and what we're looking to do is provide uh, a, a, a toolkit, a document, a, a landing page, if you will, that allows our members to understand all aspects of what's going on currently around COVID-19 uh, and how best to, the more information you have, the better you can sort of deal and navigate in, this, in these uncharted waters. And so um, we've put together a, a COVID-19 landing page off of our website, which chronicles and captures uh, a, a wide cross-section of information and, and you know, as you know, we're going to unfortunately be having to build that out as this continues over time. And so providing resources, certainly from your neck of the woods in terms of what's going on both at, at, at the federal, state, Canada, the municipalities, state resources, but additional resources for our members from other member companies around what they're doing um, to serve their customers and information, details, data that other members can draw upon as, as information to help them in shaping their responses to their, uh, to their customers as well. In addition, um, all of ETA's industry affairs committees are going to be devoting significant um, effort on the COVID-19 impact to the payments industry as it, as it reflects in their specific uh, mandate as a committee. So, you know, our world was very different on January 24th when a lot of these committees got up and running. Um, it's very, very different now on March 24th. And so 
as our committees have been meeting last week and this week and for the at least near-term future, COVID-19 is the backdrop for the work we're going to be doing. And so you're going to see a lot of sharing of, of, of information in pithy, easily digestible formats around addressing some of what you and I have talked about around fraud management, risk mitigation, technical reliability and resiliency, engaging with your customers um, in a way that, again, is helpful and meaningful and valuable. So um, we as an association will be pushing that out across, uh, across the board. Uh, and look to our members certainly to, to, to sort of share with us as well. Um, and we'll be doing so um, for, uh, for, the, for the foreseeable future. Um, so, so with that, um, Scott, I wanna, um, I wanna thank you so much um, for all you and your team are doing um, on multiple fronts at both the federal um, and state levels as well um, as with our, 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 dear, our dear neighbors to the north in Canada. Um, do you have anything, any final words you wanna add? No, I, I think, Amy, uh, I appreciate uh, all the work you do. Uh, and I think that what's unique about ETA is that we bring together advocacy, industry relations, uh, education, uh, and communications. So we really can provide uh, a number of different tools and avenues to address this issue uh, from multiple angles and with multiple fronts as well. So uh, having ETA hitting on all cylinders is crucial for uh, our members as well as uh, economy and consumers and merchants. Uh, so I appreciate the opportunity to talk about uh, these issues today with you. Indeed. Thanks so much, Scott. Thanks again to Scott for joining me today. We'll have much more to discuss in the coming weeks about COVID-19 and the ways our industry is assisting the worldwide fight against this virus. We'll also hear much more about other extraordinary technologies and people powering this industry forward. At ETA, please visit electran.org forward slash COVID for additional information on how the payments industry is responding to this crisis. And for ETA, I'm Amy Zirkle. Stay safe, stay healthy, and thank you for listening to Transaction Trending. This has been Transaction Trending, a podcast powered by the Electronic Transactions Association. ETA is the leading trade association for the payments industry, representing over 500 payments technology companies worldwide. This episode was produced by Laura Hubbard and Patrick Nolan. It was recorded, edited, and mixed by Patrick Nolan. For more information on the Electronic Transactions Association, visit electran.org.